0: Bad and bo- Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Aaron.
1: And I'm Erica.
0: Erica, it's so nice to be reunited with you. Reunited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> sorry it just popped into my head
0: I love that uh, <laughs> we were both out of Ottawa for the past week yes but, uh, Erica Stop. was kind enough to have granted you all with some filler content about what's going on in Alberta so I hope you all listen to that
1: that's right while I was in Toronto Toronto oh okay I have a love-hate relationship with the city right Lately, Toronto, the last couple of times I've been there has been loving me after hating me in 2019 with like, like I got racially profiled and discriminated against at the Hot Docs Festival in Toronto in 2019. If you look up Hot Docs and my um, Twitter handle, you will find all the juicy content. Um, they, Hot Docs treated the situation like it was, of no consequence. And I was really disappointed in their response, which was very little to no response. So just to let you know, hot dogs is racist. Okay. So after that experience, I didn't go back for like two years and I went back and last November and had a really, really shockingly good time. Like my black women's writers group has a brunch where we all get together every few, every like maybe six months or something. And so I try to attend those um, because I've learned that one of the most powerful things is a cohort and a cohort helps build community. And so when I went back this time, I felt like last time I I really formed relationships and solidified relationships. And I feel like this time I deepened relationships, and I realized that I have a pretty robust community in Toronto. So shout out to Toronto! And I never thought I'd say that.
0: <laughs> wow, I'm I sensing, had... I'm sensing big Drake vibes here.
1: <laughs> oh, ew! <laughs> no, I'm not that craven.
0: Oh, I only make that joke because Drake's newest album dropped last night, and um, it's fine,
1: I guess. I don't see much growth with Drake. Um, my Listen, problem- the, the beats are good. Again, that's it. The flow is not. Right.
0: The flow is not it. It is not the moment, but the beats are real good.
1: Yeah, like, that's the thing with Drake. It's the same old flow, no matter the moment. It's the same old shit he's talking about. I'm like, haven't you matured in 10 years? Exactly like, the bills? same
0: shit. The exactly. exact same shit. Yeah. What was me I can't find a woman.
1: Blah blah blah. I bet you a lot of incels love him.
0: He literally has a song on this album called "Calling My Name," and the song is basically says your pussy is calling my name. And let me just say, no thank you. No thank it you. It really isn't
1: Drake. Okay. So here's my other critique of Drake. Drake makes a whole lot of money off of negotiating his own inter- internalized anti-blackness and blackness because, and to be honest, he doesn't do shit for black people. Mm-hmm. He hasn't like George Floyd happened. Where the fuck was Drake?
0: Well, especially in light of what we're going to be talking about today. Exactly. Just, a, Drake, just another yeah. moment about the, the album, the only good song Like, the best song on the album is Massive, so that's the one I recommend you listen to. The rest of it. Okay.
1: The rest is... The rest is fine. Like, shit. Even, like, even Young Jeezy had to drop Young from his name because he's like, yo, I'm old. I pay bills. (laughs) I pay bills. No, Literally. (laughs) Literally, like, you know, and you could see the the arc of maturation in his music. Not this guy. This guy wants to party. He's one of those guys who's like, oh, I peaked in high school or I peaked in my 20s and I want to live there forever. And basically, don't you live in this world? The world's fucking burning, okay? But it's all about you, Drake, and it's all about you. No wonder Rihanna didn't take you seriously.
0: I was just thinking about, you know, the last song that I really remember of Drake's, the last single.
1: Mm.
0: And that was from Views,
1: which and is I ha- two albums views. ago. I hated Views. <laughs> I hated that album. I did.
0: The, 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 like the song was One Dance. Like the, Yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
1: I remember that. No, and, I do like One Dance, actually.
0: And that came out in 2016. Yeah. And then he had certified lover boy last year, 2021. Yeah. I don't know a single song from it. I just looked at the track list. I was like, I don't know any of these songs. And then again, the the new album, it's just like again, massive is good. The rest of it all just kind of sounds. Bleh.
1: I feel like the last good album Drake did. If you're is if you're reading this, it's too late. I thought that was a mm-hmm. massively amazing album. Great album, yeah. Twenty fifteen. After that, I'm like, meh. Like, I like the the one with all the Afro beats. I thought that was a, like mm-hmm. that was which one? What was it called? The one with his dad's picture on the on the front. More life. More life. Yeah, yeah. That was cool for the introduction, the mass introduction of of Afro beats.
0: Anyway, yeah. So but, yeah. Man. Basically, you know, Erica bringing up Drake's inability to negotiate his blackness, uh, and his silence during George Floyd is aligns with, you know, the, our topic today, which is the report that the Toronto police release about uh, their systemic racism. But before we get in there, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping. So make sure you go to badandbitchy.com to become a paid subscriber to access full episodes of the podcast. And if you are already a paid subscriber, you can gift a subscription to someone maybe who needs one. Check on Twitter. People are always interested. We will retweet you. Or two, just gift it to someone that you know who you think might benefit from it. It is Gemini season, so that's an option. And then in the Hill Times, Erica was back on our column and she talked about how the media is propping up Pierre Polyev much like American media did with Trump and the perils of Bill C-11, which is the second attempt at the uptake of the broadcasting bill. And then related to our conversation today, just a reminder that Erica opened the Writers Festival this year in March with a discussion about policing with Brandy Morin and Desmond Cole. And there's a link to that in the show notes. And then I've been kind of laying low, but I did have a piece in the Vancouver Tech Journal about a local Vancouver startup that just finished its seed rounds of funding. Um, and that's about it. And Erica, anything else that you wanna mention before we really get into the discussion?
1: No, no, I, I no. <laughs> I'll just talk throughout the podcast. <laughs> All right.
0: All right, Erica, let's get into it. So this past week, Toronto police officers. This past week, it was officially found that Toronto police officers use more force against black people more often with no clear explanation why. Except, of course, for the very obvious thing, which is race. And that is a key takeaway from a landmark new report containing never-before-seen data on officer use of force and strip, st- strip searches, statistics that for the first time were collected and released by the Toronto Police Service itself. Interim Police Chief Donald Raymer said, apologized unreservedly and continued by saying, quote, our own analysis of our data from 2020 discloses that there is systemic discrimination in our policing, that is, there is a disproportionate impact experienced by racialized people, particularly those of black communities, end quote. Among the other major findings were that in 2020, Toronto officers used force on black people about four times more often than their share of the population. And that black Torontonians were five times more likely to have force use against them than white ones. And in those cases, when force was used, an officer was more than twice as likely to draw a firearm on a black person they thought was unarmed than a white person they thought was unarmed.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: these statistics show an overrepresentation in other racialized communities too. So if you are indigenous, you were more likely to be subjugated to a strip search, a strip search, a highly invasive police practices, and members of the Latino, Middle Eastern, and South Asian communities were also more likely to have force used against them. But of course, Black people were overrepresented, found to be 1.6 times more likely to be subjected to force compared to their percentage of total police interactions in 2020. Meanwhile, Latino people were overrepresented by 1.5 times and Middle Eastern people overrepresented by 1.2 times. Black people were already more than twice as likely to be the subject of this baseline police enforcement. And although they represented approximately 10% of the city's population in 2020, they accounted for 22% of what police call quote-unquote enforcement actions, including arrests, tickets, and other stops. (sighs) Yeah. I just, I, I think this overall goes to the importance Of why it's important to one, collect data and two, collect disaggregated data. Mm -hmm. Because so we can actually see what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a radical perspective. But
1: we should be collecting disaggregated data for every fucking thing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there is not one policy or experience or or piece of this country that is not racial, that mm-hmm. is not systemically racialized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's viewed as, as invisible because white is the default. So it doesn't happen to white people, it's invisible, right? And so the experiences of all of us is basically looked at as a, as a fraction of the experience of the white male. So white men are the standard and our experiences are viewed as in relation to them. And therefore, if black, the the old adage or the same adage that black people somehow deserved being killed and surveilled and arrested, and you know, that that this criminality, this criminalizing of us, which is really from slavery, by the way. If you think about runaway slaves who were always criminalized, black people were always seen as criminals. We were, we were either going to run away from our, our, our own slavery and therefore criminalized, or somehow, like there's a straight line between that and surveilling us on the street.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that governments generally are in the business of making evidence-based policy and how accurate can your evidence base be if you're not collecting accurate data on the population you're trying to make policy for?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know who didn't think that this was not going to be exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, oh,
0: if you thought otherwise, you listen, man. I,
1: I don't put your head
0: that. back in the ground. See you later. Bye. Yeah. Like yeah. this remind, this reminds me very much of like when Jared Leto was in his like silent retreat early on in the pandemic and then came <laughs> out and was just like, what's going on?
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, this is just another system that discriminates against us, right? This is just another it's yet another system because we have to deal with intertwining systems of oppression. And so, you know, policing is a huge one. It's, it's, it's enormous because there is no real oversight. And I just want to say that this report says a lot about the SIU, the special <laughs> investigations unit, which I don't think people have like naturally no reporter is going to talk about this in a real way unless they themselves are from those communities. I have yet to see a right white reporter really give policing in this country just like the, the, the just examination it deserves. It always comes from people like Desmond Cole or Brandy Boren, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who, by the way, has done incredible and excellent work on what uh, Sodowin on residential schools on the Catholic Church's apology, like it, they she's done that work and she's done it doggedly, right? I'm not obviously I'm not talking about her, but what I'm saying is the same thing I said on Twitter. Listen, if you're one of those people who who reporters, editors, producers, management, if you have have played PR for the police, if all you're doing is dictation for the police, you are not only part of the problem, you have contributed to the harm that police have unleashed on us. You have contributed to our deaths. You have contributed to our arrest. You have contributed to our criminalization. You yourself have criminalized us. So all of you could go fuck yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think that, I mean, anecdotally white reporters that I know are understand like the defund and abolish the police movement. And they do generally agree with those things. But I think that it's not going a step further and really interrogating all of the propaganda that we've been force fed for our entire lives. Right. And it's, it's that personal reflection that I find is generally lacking that they're they're one not holding themselves accountable to and people in their lives aren't holding them accountable to so I think that there's like a massive gap there and I think part of that is just like a positive feedback loop in those communities
1: but they but but they spread misinformation in a way that way right like this dictation this this speaking points of the police I mean you're the police can lie Look what's happening in friggin' Halifax right now, or sorry, Nova Scotia, where the police uh, let this guy, this um, this dude, run around in their car. They didn't tell anybody. The RCMP didn't even tell local police that these pe- this guy was on the loose in a police car until he was like close to shoot, like shooting or killing the first person, I right?
0: Do- I do wonder if this is because in the US, chiefs of police and um, sheriffs and stuff are generally politically appointed or elected. And so reporters in the States view these people as elected or political beings. Whereas in theory in Canada, these people are appointed by a quote-unquote neutral body, and so they reporters maybe don't feel as though they're a political actor and don't necessarily feel they need to call them out and hold them accountable in the same ways that they do politicians.
1: Then what are they here for? Does, but the reality they is, they are, no, no, they no, are no. political Wait, actors. But the right? but the reality is, okay, what the fuck are you a reporter for if you're not going to challenge power? I don't Period. know. Period. Consider it as power. It is power. How are the police not power? No, no, sorry,
0: but I mean that. The, the, I think I think they don't necessarily view their job as to call out power, but as to question.
1: Then what are the? What is the fourth estate for in a in a well, democracy? Yes, is it not to challenge power? Like I don't understand why this is confusing for them. That is my big, obviously I'm not, you know, thinking at you. But. I, I do,
0: I think, <laughs> and I think that, you know, it, it falls to the same people all the time to call out those institutions because they're from marginalized communities and who, who understand the power. Whereas if you're white, it's harder for you to understand the power in the way that racialized communities do. And Erica, I think you're making a really great point as to why people need to become paid subscribers to the podcast. So head over to badandbitchy.com to just sign up or gift a subscription to someone that you love and care for deeply. Because you know what? Gifting a subscription to Bad and is a love language. Anyway, we will be back later this week, probably. TBD. And by we, I mean Erica.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making my- any... It'll be my turn to be in Toronto.
1: Yes, it will. Yes, it will. So I might, I might get a guest host. I might not. I like, we'll just, we'll just see what happens. Mm -hmm. I might take a break, to be honest. You know what? Fuck it. No, no misogynist of the week next week. I'm taking a break.
0: All right. We will catch you sometime soon then. Erica, a pleasure as always. Yay. And I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.